Praise God. Father, we thank you for the great opportunity that you give us this morning to bring your word to your people, to your church, to comfort your people, to comfort your church. And we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the revelation that you give us to bring us that encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, God cares for you. God cares for you. Isaiah the prophet wrote these words, and I'm reading the Recovery Bible rendition. O Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? We're living in trying times. We're living in perilous times, actually. We're living in times of questions. We're living in times when people want answers. Isaiah said in Isaiah 41 and verse 8 in the same recovery Bible, to show Israel and the Jewish people he hadn't forgotten them. It says, but as for you, who? Those that said in Isaiah 40 and 27, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? They were saying, has the Lord forgotten us? Has the Lord turned his back on us? Is the Lord not hearing our case? And God's reply in the next chapter was, but as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from my friend Abraham. God's given a little bit of resume here. And he's given a little bit of razin to the Jewish people by saying, do you think I forgot my covenant with Abraham? Is that what you're accusing me of? I have called you back from the ends of the earth so you can serve me. For I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Does that sound like a God that has abandoned his people? Does that sound like a God that has deaf ears this morning that doesn't hear your case? Hmm. We've all heard this phrase, no one cares. And we've all said it a hundred times. No one cares. No one cares. We've said it. In the time we're living, at this moment in history, people are wondering if God is paying any attention to what's going on in the earth and especially our country. People are saying, well, where's God? Why is he allowing all this to happen? Does he not see the violence? Does he not hear the political liars? Does he not see the persecution that has already begun against the church? And personally, does he see my trials and tribulations and the overwhelming emotional upheaval in my life? Does he see that? Does he see that we're stressed out? 
Does he see that some people are actually on the ledge? Doesn't he see? As I reflect on these verses, we sometimes think God couldn't possibly care about my troubles. That he couldn't possibly care about your troubles. We say, who am I that God would be interested in me? Who am I? We allow the enemy of our soul to speak to our emotions, which can lie to us and deceive us, instead of allowing God to speak to us from his word into our spirit. Emotions versus the fact of the Bible. Our pastor always told us this lesson. He said, I don't go by emotions, I go by fact. The fact of God's word. See, you could feel one way and think God doesn't care. But the Bible says he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. So there's a discrepancy here. There's a discrepancy in the testimony when people say God doesn't care. And the Bible says, you see, that's emotional. That's because you're hurting. That's because you're, you're down. You're between a rock and a hard place. And now you're speaking out of emotion instead of speaking out of the word of God that says, for he careth for you. Mm. Can you say amen? amen? And so what happens? We don't realize we're chosen. We don't realize that through Jesus, he will not discard you or throw you away. Sometimes we don't realize that the word of God reiterates he cares for your soul. But you know what happens sometimes? We panic. Yep. Listen carefully. The Bible says in Psalm 31, 22, for I said in my haste, mm, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications where I cried unto thee. It's kind of like a oxymoron here. Kind of like a double saying. He's saying in one verse, the part, I said in haste, my, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. And, and then in the next part, he says, but nevertheless, see there's emotion versus fact. Follow. In the message version, it says this, in Psalm 31, 22, I panicked out of sight, out of mind. I said, but you heard me say it. You heard and listened. Sometimes we panic and we say words that are not accurate or true, but they're the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Because we react emotionally and not factually. You're not going to be judged on emotion. You're going to be judged on the word of God in your life. Follow. 1 Samuel 12, 22 says this, For the Lord will not forsake his people, for his great name's sake. God has a reputation. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 6 says this. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and wounded in spirit. A wife of one's youth when she is rejected says you're a God. And that's in the HCSB version. In the message version it says this in the same verse. You are like an abandoned wife. 
devastated with grief, and God welcomed you back like a woman married young and then left, says your God. Let's talk about this for a moment. There's three things in Isaiah 54 and 6 in the HCSB version that we need to look at. One, the wife was deserted, she was wounded, and then she was rejected. In the message version, she was abandoned, devastated with grief, and then left to herself. This is what we say sometimes. This is what we proclaim with our mouth and our conf confession and our profession, that God has abandoned me, that God has deserted me. Doesn't he know that I'm wounded and rejected? Doesn't he know that I'm like that wife in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, and verse 6? Doesn't he know I've been devastated with grief? Doesn't he know that I've been left to myself? And we get into what I call a controversy with God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants from us. He wants us to have a conversation with God and accuse God of not caring for us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let me give you a little history here. When the Lord spoke to Abraham and said to take Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, although Abraham told his servant, we will return. He had faith. What did God do? He didn't forget Abraham with Isaac, but he sent a ram out of the thicket to sacrifice. The Lord did not forget Hagar in the book of Genesis chapter 21 and verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Question. Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. You know what's going on here? Sarah, at the time, was not believing God for the promise. So she panicked. And she decided she was going to come up with a plan to have a baby. So she sends Abraham into Hagar. And Hagar, lo and behold, gets pregnant and has a baby by the name of Ishmael. Well, the baby grows. And now the child is about 13 years old. And Sarah takes an attitude. I want her... And that child out of my house. Who? Wow. Honey, you're, you're the one that told me to go into Hagar. Of course, you know, he obeyed, you know. <laughs> Foolish man. <laughs> he wasn't going to turn that down. 
And as a result, the child grows. And now, what's going on here? He takes a bottle of water, some bread, and gives it to her and says, be on your way. That's an abandoned wife. That's a rejected wife. That's someone that's devastated with grief. And just sends her away. That's it. And she goes with the child. And the child sits under a shrub. And she wants to be a distance from the child because she doesn't want to see the child die. You see, no one cares. She thinks no one cares. At that moment, I believe Abraham loved that child. But he had to listen to his wife, Sarah, who told him what to do. And as a result, Hagar is out there in the wilderness, but God did not forget her. Listen carefully. He calls from heaven. He responds from heaven and says, What aileth thee, Hagar? He heard the cry of the child. He hears your cry. Heaven will open at times, like it did for Stephen, the first martyr of the church, when he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The Lord did not forget Lot as he pulled him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, escaping fire and brimstone. The Lord did not forget Moses and the children of Israel at the Red Sea. God sent a wind. The Lord did not forget Naomi, who lost her husband, and her name meant bitterness. She was a widow woman. She had nothing to live for. She thought no one cared. I'll be alone. And who cares? But what did God do? He sent Boaz to her. And listen to what happened. And they had a son by the name of Obed who became the father of Jesse, who became the father of King David, who Joseph came through that line so he can be in the line and the generational line for Jesus to be born. God has it all under control, my friend. He doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't leave anything out and he cares for you and he cares for me and we need to hear that by the word of God. The Lord did not forget Hannah, who was barren. In 1 Samuel 1 and 20, she conceived and bore a son. Huh. Think about that. The Lord did not forget the three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace. Jesus himself came to the rescue. The Lord did not forget Daniel in the lion's den. He sent an angel to close the mouth of the lion. Nobody cares? Don't we need to rephrase that? That God does care? Come on now. The Lord did not forget Paul and Silas in prison. He sent an earthquake to get them out. The Lord did not forget John on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus Christ personally went on a visit, hallelujah, and paid a house call to John on the Isle of Patmos while he was 96 years old. Does nobody care? The Lord did not forget Jesus. 
The Father did not forget Jesus, but he sent the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, into the tomb to wake him up and bring him out as the resurrected Christ. Come on, my friend. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord did not forget you because he visits you, praise God, with the comfort of the Holy Spirit that he said he would have to go away and pray the Father that the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit is our comfort. Why? Because God cares for you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Psalm 16 and 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. You know what the word set means? It means I agree with the word of God. I agree with the word of God that God Jehovah God, the existing one, what he says I agree with, what it says here, he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. That's what it's saying. I agree with what? My emotions? I agree with the way I'm feeling? No, I agree with the word of God even when no one else agrees with me. The word is the word. And the psalmist said, I shall not be moved. What does that mean? It means to be removed or slip. It means to be carried off course. It means to decay and fall down. It means to slide and to totter. It means to be greatly shaken and to be overthrown and dislodged. It means to let fall and drop to the ground. God is saying, are you serious? Of all that I've done in my word to prove to you that I care, do you think at this point in life that I'm going to allow you to be moved? You know when you're moved? When you move in your emotions and not by the word of God. That's when you're moved. When you believe the lies of your emotion. When you believe he said, she said. When you believe the opinions of others and not the word of God. I can only go by God's word. When I go by emotions, I'm deceived. I'm tricked because they could lie to me. And that's how people react. They react emotionally instead of stopping and saying, what does the word of God say? You can have opinions. You can argue. You can fight. You can be stubborn. You can rebel against the word of God, but it's still the word of God, and it holds true. And if God said, I shall not be moved, I shall not be moved. Psalm 16 and 8 in the recovery Bible says this, I know the Lord is with me. Do we believe that? I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that when we become so emotional that we come out of our minds and out of our character, we step out? Do we really believe God's word at that moment? I don't really think we do. I think we become so emotionally charged that we forget the fact of God's word, of what God's word says. Amen? First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, Casting all your care 
upon him for he careth for you. Now most people will read that verse and say, okay, that's cool. What does it mean? It means to cast forward. That means away from you. Or before you. God is saying, don't hold on to it. Follow now. This is very important. It means to throw at or place somewhere else. It means to set down, but listen to the definition, with the suggestion of haste and want of care. In other words, I don't want to hold on to this too long. Because when we hold on to stuff too long, it bites us. It takes away your very breath. It's the snake that wraps around you and just takes away your breath. And you don't even know it's happening. Because the enemy comes through the back door to deceive and take away from you. What, what is God saying here? He's saying cast it from yourself and cast it to me. You see, God is interested in your life and what affects you. But not only that, but what affects you at this very moment. The word care, casting all your care in the Greek means through the idea of distraction. Follow closely, please. That which causes commotion in your life, that which causes a disturbance or an agitation, that which causes bewilderment or confusion, that which causes sometimes desperation. It means to divide into parties or to separate into different parts or to cut into pieces. To be split into factions, which means those things that divide you. You see, if you allow your cares and if I allow my cares to overwhelm me emotionally, they're going to divide me and separate me from God's word and I'm going to believe the emotion more than I believe the factual word of God which is infallible. So the question is, what will you believe? What will you accept? Whose report? Your emotional report? When you're out of your mind? When you want to defend yourself? When you say, well, this is whatever. God says, wait. Evaluate yourself by my word. Not by your emotion or your opinions or your philosophies. Because if you allow those cares to hold on and you don't throw them for me, they're going to divide you and they're going to divide you against him, God Almighty. There's a lot of people angry at God. I said there's a lot of people that are angry at God. Because they're blaming God for their plight in life. The word care means worry and apprehension. It means your concerns and your anxieties. It means the state of being alone or aloneness. It's isolation. It's singleness. Because we carry on and we hold on to the cares and we dwell on those cares so vividly that it becomes our story and it becomes our life. And you can almost identify people and say to yourself, what's their story? I remember when I was a kid, if someone said they had a pain, I used to hear these words, 
don't talk. Let me tell you about my pain. If you, if you had a pain here, they had a pain in two, three different areas. And it became their story. And any time you got around them, you knew you were going to hear that story about their pain. It's like, is that all you got? Is that your entire life is about pain? Who don't have pain? Who doesn't wake up to pain? Are you serious? Get older. Find out about pain. Come on, my friend. Get older. You'll find out about pain. Use a muscle you haven't used in a long time in the garden or somewhere else. And then t the next day you feel like, oh boy, what happened there? You haven't used it. It's atrophied. Don't let it become your story. Don't let it become your identification. And that's how you can identify people by their story. And that's why people shy people. Because they don't want to hear that story. They've heard that story so many times. It's like they could tell you the story. It's not about my story. I, I watch people on the internet. I'm adding to my story. It's not about my story. The story is about Jesus in my life. That's the real story. And people are always adding to their story. What are you adding to your story? What is it? Add Jesus. And then your story will change. And your emotions will change. And your cares will change. And you won't be saying some of the things and we won't be saying some of the things that we say sometimes. Nobody cares. Okay. Have you ever heard this phrase? When it says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you, which means to care about you, it's like when we say to someone, when we say goodbye to them, what do we usually say? Take care. What does that mean? Be well. Take care. Stay safe. I tell people, stay safe. Stay well. Take care. It's a phrase we use. Why do we use that phrase? Because we're trying to show the person that is leaving us that we love them, we care for them, and we're concerned for them, so we tell them, take care. Take care when you drive. Take care when you go out. Take care when you go to work. Take care. How much more does God say take care? I mean, what does he have to do? Send a plane with one of those signs up in the sky that says God cares for you? Casting all your cares upon him? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, in the Amplified Version, says this. It says this. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Amen. Boy, that, that, that's a mouthful. It's amplified. God is trying to show you how much he loves you. The word casting in 1 Peter 5, 7 means God wants you to throw upon him or place upon him your cares. Casting also means, listen, through the idea of sudden motion. Follow me. When I was a kid in Brooklyn, and they were building houses, we used to go to where they hadn't dug up any foundations. We called it the lots. 
And we were very responsible, even though sometimes people call the police on us in the fire truck. We go to the lots and we had the rocks and we had a campfire. And us boys, we, we go down there and we would take potatoes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we wrapped them in tin foil, we poked a few holes in it. And we sat by the fire, mind our own business, not bothering nobody, not gonna burn down the, the woods here. Nothing to burn, sure. There was just grass and we cleared it and we were very, very safe and very responsible as youngsters. And we watched those potatoes and we knew they were cooking. Did you ever do that? You, you, know, you know what this reminds me of? You know what my childhood reminds me of? It reminds me of a hot potato. You see, this is your cares right here. It's the hot potato. And you know what God is saying? Sudden motion. Get rid of it. Why are you hold on to it? Why are you discuss it? Why does it keep perpetuating? It doesn't change, does it, when you do that? You know when it changes? When we go to God's word and we rely on God's word and say, God, insert your word into my spirit, not emotion into my soul. There's a difference between soul and spirit. Lord, send your word into my spirit. Don't care what they say. Don't care how I feel. But this is what the word of God says. Mm. It's like having a hot potato in your hand that you need to get rid of quickly unless it burns you. Some people have been living with that burn for a long time. It just hangs around, hangs around, hangs around, and they stoke the fires when the embers seem to be going a little bit low. They put another piece of wood on because without that piece of wood, there's no story. Because a lot of people never go to God's Word. We say we're too busy. I'm working. I'm raising my family, and that's all wonderful. But when turbulent times come and you're on the ledge, you're going to find yourself in a heap of trouble because you held on to the hot potato and you didn't hurl it at God and say, God, I can't take this no more. You know, there comes a time in your life when you have to say these words. I can't take this anymore. And so you know what, God? Boop! It's yours. I'm not holding it. I'm not letting it be my story. Mm, man, don't hold your worries, God says, and your cares. Get rid of them quickly and just cast them upon me. God help us to get those things that would upset our spiritual balance away from us. It's so easy to get your spiritual balance out of whack. If you know anything about sports, it's about getting the opponent off of balance. Right. When I pitched, you threw at the guy's head at least one time if he hit a home run against you. You know why? Because you told him, don't mess with me again, mister. Power to power. In football, the offensive line, defensive line, they're trying to get each other off of balance so they can win. In boxing, the idea is to get the opponent off of balance so you can hit him. 
In basketball, it's fake. Get him off of balance. Let him go this way, and you're going this way. And there he is, and there you are. What do you think the enemy's trying to do to you? He's trying to get you off of balance. He's trying to get you away from the word of God. I can't stress it enough that it's the word of God that counts. I don't care about my opinions. I don't care about my story that I'm making up right now to make excuses for my life of why this or why that. All God cares for is, about, hey, did you go to the word? Are you holding on to the hot potato? Mm. What are you saying, God? You see, help us, God, to get rid of any cares that would divide soul and spirit and cause a controversy between me and thee, God. Lord, don't let anything come between us. And that's what happens with people. You meet people and they're mad at God. I'm mad at God. I'm angry with God. What are you talking about? Have you reevaluated some of your choices that maybe you got where you are because of who you are and what you did and what you chose? And now you're angry with God? You're having a controversy with Him? Exactly what the enemy wants in your life, my friend. And now you're all emotional because you want to go tell God how it's going to be. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to say, you know, I really care about you. But you know, right now, we can't talk. Because you're cuckoo. You're out of your mind. Because you've strayed from the word. And now you're in the soulish realm. And you're living in the soul instead of living in the spirit. Which a lot of people have never crossed that bridge from soul to spirit. And their life is just one big ball of emotion. One huge ball of emotion. Lord, don't let anything come between us. Further insight to this word casting reveals it means to let it fall. And smite it with the palm of one's hand. Listen closely. It means to smite in the face with the palm of the hand. It means to, to box the ear. It's like when a mosquito comes, get rid of it quick. Bang! You know when a mosquito comes, you just don't want to entertain a mosquito. Right. Right. You know I can't go to bed if there's a fly in my room. Amen. I'll be like George Jefferson and I'll be standing on the bed and I'll be going to get that. <laughs> I'm going to be jumping. I'm going to, I'm going to get a magazine. I'm going to get something. I'm going to kill that fly because I'm not going to bed. Because yeah. I don't want that fly defecating on me. That's what they do. you know. And that mosquito, bzz, bzz, bzz. You can't possibly sleep when it's going. Zzz, zzz, zzz. It's, it's like the water force in the bathroom dripping. Zzz, 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 zzz. It's a hot potato. You hold it on to. Why do we put up with it? Why do we let that mosquito just go? Zzz, zzz, zzz. God says, smite it. Let it fall to the ground. Smite it with a rod or a staff. Smite it. We need to take our cares to the word of God and throw down the word of God upon our cares like Moses did. Praise the Lord when he threw down his rod in Pharaoh's court That's right. and then later raised the rod to divide the Red Sea. Listen closely. What are you talking about? You see, some of you don't realize that God has given you a scepter. 
You know, you couldn't go into the king's court unless he raised that scepter. And then you could enter. Because if that scepter wasn't raised, you're a dead man. Because there was people at the door that would just kill you. Because they didn't know what you were going to do to the king. And God, when you were saved and forgiven, gave you a scepter. Because he allowed his scepter to be raised when you went before his court. His son brought you there. And his son Jesus said, this one here has accepted the blood and the sacrifice of the cross and the blood of your son. Look upon the righteousness of me, Lord God, Father God, and look at him and see my righteousness. And God raised his scepter and said, not guilty. We don't see ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We see ourselves emotionally like broken down cars on the side of the road. We see ourselves believing those lies that I'm a no count. Someone told me when I was a kid I'd never amount to nothing. So I guess I'm not going to be nothing. Someone told me in the third grade I was stupid, so I decided to be stupid. Self-fulfilling prophecy. We believe lies. We believe emotional garbage instead of the word. What does the Bible say? I'll show you in a few minutes. Hold on to your scepter. Psalm 55 verse 22 says this. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer thy righteous to be moved. We know what the word cast means now. To throw it at God. Throw it upon him. Shed it. Fling it. So what's your burden? Cast your burden. You know what your burden is? Whatever your lot in life is at this very moment. Did you just hear what the preacher said? Yes. Cast thy burden. Whatever is going on in your life right now at this moment is your lot in life. And God says you can hold on to it. You can get all emotional. You can ask 10 people their opinion. You can cry a river. But maybe you need to go to my word and find your comfort. Stay with me. Because he says, if you do that, cast your burden upon him, he shall sustain thee. You all know that I'm a sports person. Probably not this year if they're going to not respect the flag or the police or the national anthem. They're going to lose me. That's okay. I can live without it. They want to be stupid. I don't care if that's on tape. Respect the country you live in. Respect your flag. Respect the men and women that went into the 9-11 buildings and risked their lives to bring people out when they died. And maybe not die that day. Some of them did, but some of them died later. Chemicals. Poison. Those that we held in high esteem years ago at baseball games. Those that wore the baseball caps for the fire department of New York. Those that wore police caps for the police department of New York. Now are being thrown at, hurt, shot at, murdered. And people who have influence in sports are complying with a lie that we should disrespect our police and our flag and our nation. 
and our national anthem. While they make $100 million buying sneakers from China that someone works for for 10 cents an hour. And then here in America, they sell for $150 or to $300 for a pair of sneakers. Michael Jordan just auctioned off his sneakers for $615,000. There's a pair of sneakers worth $615,000 when we have children starving in our country, when we have people going to bed with their bellies not full. And we lift up a government that's harassing and persecuting Christians because we can't go against them because they're our meal ticket. We can't say a bad word about them, LeBron James. And if someone does speak out with a different opinion, they're branded as a racist person because their opinion differs. There's something wrong in society when we're calling evil good. I said there's something wrong in society when we're calling evil good. I like people that take a stand like the owner of the Denver Broncos. If you kneel, you'll be fired on the spot. Ooh. Do you know these people work for a boss? They work for a boss that's called an owner. And the owner sets his rules just like the owner sets rules when you go to work and tells you this is what you need to do. And if you don't, you don't have a job, my friend. Don't you know that? Rules and regulations. And as an owner of a football team, he has the right to say, listen, these are the rules and regulations, just like a dress code, just like a curfew. Be where you're supposed to be and don't be out of place. People get all disheveled when God has rules. And God says, do it this way. It means, he says, I'll sustain you, which means I'll contain you. In football, when the quarterback is going to have a pass play, you know I've explained this to you, he drops back. And the linemen get up and they form a cup around him. And as that cup is formed around him with three linemen on this side and three linemen on this side and maybe a tight end, he steps back up into the pocket and that cup surrounds him for a, a few seconds so he can complete a pass. This is what God is saying. I got more than three guards on one side and three on the other. I got the angel armies that are going to put you in a cup. And if you just step up, hallelujah, and step in, hallelujah, I will step out and I will help you and I will contain you because I am the Lord God. Man, that's good preaching. I said, that's good preaching. But instead of us stepping up, we step out. And like the rookie quarterback, happy feet, runs for his life and he gets decked with a concussion. And that sometimes happens to us. And then we get up off the floor and we say, well, what happened? Where's God when I need him? And God said, stay in the pocket. Stand under the umbrella of protection. I still believe in the umbrella of protection, my friend. Step out of the umbrella and you're going to get wet. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He will not permit it. Oh, you'll be harassed. 
you'll be hindered. But God's ultimate will is for you not to slip away your salvation, not to neglect the very salvation, the great salvation that God has given you. And that's what happens to people. They get stressed out. They get emotional. And then they go out and sin. And then they blame God for their troubles. When it's them, not God. God said, I, I won't let you slip. Slipping is a choice. Backsliding is a choice. Leaving God and his word at that moment is a choice. I don't want it to be my choice. It's like the old song, the last mile of the way. Hey, listen, we're on the last mile of the way, my friends. Unless you haven't read the news. Unless you, have, unless you haven't turned on the television recently. Do you know that peace accord that was made with Israel? You know, God only used... The president that he puts in office right now to bring about biblical prophecy. And the biblical prophecy is this, that there will be a one world government and a one world religion. This moved it a little bit closer. And sometimes people don't know what they're doing, but God prophetically moves it right along like a river flowing downhill. You see, when they cry peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. But God is moving the prophetic timetable just a little bit further. A little bit further. And as a result, prophecy is being fulfilled right before your very eyes. And you've got to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see what God is doing. You've got to be living in a cave. You've got to be like Van Winkle, never waking up. Hear what I'm saying? Are we going to escape? Or are we going to go through the tribulation? Are we going to be there when one quarter of the earth's humanity is exterminated? Like that. Are we going to be there when those serpents bite? Are we going to be there? Are we going to take the mark of the beast? Are we going to take 666? It's all moving in that direction. Right. National ID cards. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the place where you can't go to the store unless you have papers saying that you took the vaccine. Yeah, that's true. Can't go to Walmart. That's right. Can't go to Kohl's. Can't go to your dining. Okay. <coughs> Do you have papers? I remind you of Hitler's Germany. Yeah. Come on, my friend. People living in a hole somewhere. They think, hey, everything's just going to be okay. It's just going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. And God said it's going to get better and better and better. But God says, I'll sustain you and I'll take you, praise God, and I'll secure you so you do not slip away from your salvation. But you will depend on the word of God. And in the last day, we will depend on our God. Amen. Come on now. Amen. He's never failed his people. He has never failed his people. His people have failed him. I don't want to fail God. I think that the thing that's missing in the American churches is fear. The Bible says great fear came upon the early church. Read it for yourself in the book of Acts. Great fear. 
Great fear that when Ananias came in and lied to the Holy Spirit in the life, in the life of Peter, he dropped dead right in the church. And you know what? The church service just went on. They just carried him out. Took him out back. <laughs> they didn't miss a beat. And Sapphira came in. She prancing. Oops. Hello, Peter. So happy to be in church today. You know, God never told him to sell the land. God never said to sell the land. They, they, they wanted to sell the land. But they said they would give the money to the church. God, God didn't care about their land. God didn't care about their money. You know what God cared about? Their lives. And it goes to fire. I, 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 I wonder where Ananias is. Oh, he, honey, you, you're going to find out in about a minute here. You're going to find out in about one split second. And Peter asked her a question. She liked him. And guess what? Boom, she died too, right in the church. You think they closed the church? No. You think they closed the church? They carried her out. Put her with him and buried her. Church service went on. Right. Hallelujah. People say, well, that was pretty harsh. Oh, no. You don't lie to the Holy Spirit. You don't lie to God. You don't lie to the man of God who's got the Holy Spirit in him. Right. Mm. That's old-fashioned preaching. Come on. You see, on the cross, the two thieves, there's an argument while Jesus is being crucified. Imagine that. A man is being tortured beyond belief. He's marred beyond recognition. There's no flesh on his back. His bones are exposed. There's thorns right into his head. And these two guys are arguing. Well, if you be the Son of God, why don't you call the angels now so we can get out of here? Don't you believe in rescue? The other one said, Why, why are you arguing with, with this man? We're thieves. We stole. You know the rules that when you do that and you get caught, you get crucified here under Roman government. What are you talking about, dummy? You're about to die. And you're having an argument, even taking your last breath. You know, that's what people are going to do. Taking your last breath, they're going to argue about God. They're going to argue to the end because they want to be right. But the other thief said, Lord Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He had the fear of God. And the Lord turned to him. Turned to him. His body weakened. His body tired. His body tortured. And he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. This guy didn't make it. This guy made it. Why? Because he had the fear of God in his life. That's why. Boy, that's good preaching. Let me try to close. You know how we try to do that. So I give you a warning. Ahead of time, closing. This is just too rich to to just shut down. God cared for you so much that He made you kings and priests. Ah, come on, Pastor. Now you're really pushing it. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Revelation one four. Grace be unto you and peace from which he is and which was and which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests 
unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given you a scepter in your hand. He's given you a rod like he gave Moses a rod in his hand to divide the Red Sea at times. In the name of Jesus Christ, take your scepter with you, my friend. Hallelujah. And raise that scepter to the enemy and say, no more. You can't come in. I'm shutting the door in the name of Jesus because I am a king and I'm a priest before God. I have the scepter of the Lord. For Revelation 1 4 tells me that. Thank you, Lord. Well, that sounds foolish, doesn't it? You're not a speck of sand. People say, Who am I, Pastor? Who knows me? I'm not famous. I'm not rich. I don't live in a mansion yet. You don't live in a mansion. You should say, yeah. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Come on, my friend. Did, did you know the word of God? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Right. Right. Come on, brother. Right. Let not your heart be troubled. Didn't God say that? Yes, sir. Oh, I don't live in a mansion. Oh, yeah. That's what you need to tell people. Yeah. Wait till you see my new house. Right. Wait till you see the landscape on that house. Right. Thank you, Lord. Wait till you roam around my fields of flowers. You see, we don't, we don't have that picture yet. Because we're too wrapped up in our emotional stories sometimes. Well, listen to what the word says. Psalm 8, 4. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Question. The psalmist is asking, well, why do you even care? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the ESV version. What's God saying? I care about you. I'm mindful of you. I created you in your mother's womb. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10. Talking about Moses and about you. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. Didn't God find us there at times? He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them and bearing them up at her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. What's God saying? I found Moses. I found Caleb. I found Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the prophets. I found the disciples. And what is God saying? I found you also. And I found some of you, he said, in the wilderness. Wandering around. Wondering, where am I going? What am I doing? And what's going to happen? Stay tuned. And we're going to find out. Solomon said these beautiful words in Solomon 7.10, I am my beloved's. And his desire is toward me. You know what that's saying? God longs 
for a relationship with you. Let me ask you a question. How can we say we know God if we never talk about God personally? Have you ever noticed people's conversation? You don't hear them say the Lord or Jesus. They, they, it's like their, their Christianity is like hidden somewhere under a rock. If we have divinity in us, listen, if you're married to a woman and you never address her by name, do you really know? How, how, how do you do that? How, how do you respond to someone you live with or a friendship that you have and, and you don't call them by name or speak to them by name? How, how, how can we have God in us? How can we have deity in us? How can we have the power of God in us and not talk about Jesus? And not talk about what the Lord is doing in my life? It's always, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what's going on in my And that's fine. If you're willing to go to the word of God with someone that's listening and find the answers to your story, so you don't have to carry the hot potato that it burns you. Oh, come on. He's longing toward us. He says in Zechariah 2.8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. You know what God's saying? Don't mess with my kids. Just like a parent. Don't mess with my kids. I might know all their faults and what they're doing wrong, but don't, want, don't you mess with them. That's my business in my house. You're the neighbor. Keep your opinions to yourself and your stuff to yourself. Because believe it or not, that child is the apple of my eye. Maybe disappointing at this moment, but he's still the apple of my eye. I gave birth to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what God's saying? You're the world to him. You know when someone says that you're, you're the love of their life? They're saying you're the world to me. I esteem you so highly. That's what it's saying. I don't want to live without you. I want to be with you. I want to be next to you. I want to love you. That's what it's saying. This is what God is saying. It's an intimate relationship that some people are so sick and afraid of. Okay, I've got too close. I know he might bite you. Oh, he might bless you. Oh, he might bring a gift to you. Oh, heaven forbid. And closing, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You know what it means to perform? It means to accomplish in your life what God wants to accomplish and bring it to a flourishing finish. I can only relate to boxing at this moment. I've watched a lot of boxing in my life. It's an art if you understand the game, if you understand the sport. There's a magical moment in a boxing match, a magical moment, a mystical moment, when all of a sudden, you'll hear the announcer says, and he's landing a flurry of punches. 
See, this is what the word perform means. It means flourishing finish, okay? Like a boxer in the ring. The flurry of punches in the boxing ring. At that mystical, magical moment, he's hitting him. He's hitting him. He's getting on the left, the left. And then he's coming around with the right and the right. And all of a sudden, the crowd is staying to its feet because the crowd knows this is victory. This is victory. This is victory. All of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. Because it was those flurry of punches. He finished in a flurry. And this is exactly the way God wants his church to finish. In a flurry of punches. Not a weak, anemic church that's still talking about yesteryear or what happened 10 years ago or 10 weeks ago, but a church that's talking about what great things God has done. Read the book of Acts, my friend, and listen to what they said. They talked about what great things God was doing, what great things Jesus was doing. They were talking about the resurrected Christ in their life. They were rejoicing when they got beat. They were rejoicing when they were in jail. They were rejoicing when they were in prison. They were rejoicing when they were in bonds and stocks. They were rejoicing. Why? Because their story was accumulated in God's story and it was swept up and it was taken away and now their story as disciples they were no longer fishermen but they were children of God and disciples of Christ who were telling the story of Jesus and that's the way God wants the church to go out can you say amen, amen. let us pray Father you've given us a good word today powerful and passionate and I pray God that we will go out in a flurry of punches against the powers of evil and put a hit on the enemy. Dance all over his face so his demonic hordes would know that we were there. Hallelujah. Doing warfare and business against him in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, and through the blood of Jesus and not through our own efforts. Lord, raise us up. Lord, help us to really understand that God cares for you. That God cares for us. That God cares for me. Make it personal in our life, God. We are your beloved. And you want to overflow in our lives as your children and as kings and priests unto the Lord. And we pray, God, that we will be part of that church that will walk in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you, and thank you for listening.